to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with a student in our class of 2020, Emma Knudgen. Emma was recently elected president of our Network of Executive Women Student Organization, and she and I sat down and talked a little bit more about why she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, and what motivated her to take on a leadership position with our Network of Executive Women Student Organization. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Emma Kanuki. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brad. I'm happy to be here. So for our listeners at home, who are you and uh, what do you do? So I'm Emma Knuken. I am the director of new product development at Politico, which is a DC-based information services company. I've been there for about a year and a half. So I started there um, right before I started in the program. And prior to that, I had a variety of roles in uh, corporate strategy and new product development for different firms. So how did you decide to pursue an MBA? What's what's your background sort of before you got to Politico educationally, professionally? Um, and then how did you think about an MBA as you wanted to grow your career? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I first moved to D.C. about a decade ago, I started out as a counterterrorism analyst. I had studied uh, criminal justice as an undergraduate at Northeastern. And so that had very little to do with business. Uh, I kind of happened my way into a role in new product development um, after making a transition to the private sector and working for the corporate executive board, and then had a series of different roles and strategy and new products, but never had had the formal business training. And so for me, the decision to pursue an MBA was really, I just didn't want to be left out uh, and not have the full set of tools in my toolbox to understand the problems I was looking at. And so I decided that I um, was far enough along in my career that I didn't want to take a step back for two years to do a program full time. And so the executive program was really the right choice for me because it allowed me to continue progressing in a career um, that I, for the most part, enjoy while also pursuing more education. So how did you learn about Darden? Uh, what put this particular program on your radar? That's a great question. I can't say that I remember specifically how I found Darden. <laughs> I was looking at uh, what programs were available to me in the area. I knew I wanted to be um, in DC or, or close by. And um, really, of course, Darden's reputation as a, as a full-time program precedes the school. And so I think I came across the materials about the executive program and got really excited by the notion that I could balance my career while also pursuing an MBA program um, in the evenings and on weekends and really not miss out on um, participating in my day-to-day career advancement. So that's what really got me excited. And it was a long process. I think, uh, Brett, you and I have talked about this, you know, when you're far enough along in your career, the prospect of, um, you know, filling the open and free time that you have in your day with, uh, school and homework and being in class, um, is a, it's a big prospect to consider. And so I think I looked at the program for probably six months before I made the decision to apply. Yeah. For those listeners out there, you know, wondering, you know, how long does it typically take someone to decide this is the right step for me? Um, we find that it can be a two or three year consideration cycle when you sort of take into account all the many decisions someone makes. All right. So I'm thinking about more school, 
you know, which school, you know, uh, MBA, law school, other master's pro, whatever it might be. So I arrive on an MBA, then thinking about, do I want to work full time? You know, how, you know, do I, do I want to go take two years off? You know, think about that. Um, then, you know, sort of narrow down working professionals programs with part time exec evening, weekend, global. I mean, there's a million different ways you can go and then start to get in the nitty gritty of, you know, getting all the people in your life onto the sort of idea of like you're going back to school and what that will mean for you at work, what that will mean for you at home. I mean, there's just a lot of stakeholders. To consider. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The thing that I would say to people who are considering the program is I wish I had done it sooner. I wish I'd made the decision more quickly. So um, a couple of things that would have helped me that I wish I'd known in retrospect. Um, one was that I did not have to take the GMAT or the GRE, but that there's another test available through GMAC. Um, I'm forgetting what it's the called. The executive assessment. The executive assessment. Thank you, Brett. Um, that is much more tailored to somebody who's far along in their career and requires a little bit less intensive preparation. So I'd spent a couple months going to a Manhattan prep course to get ready for the GRE. And I think in retrospect, um, I could have reduced that time and applied sooner had I focused on the executive assessment. So that was one big takeaway that I think many people may not be aware of. Um, and then I think the other is more subjective, but, uh, you know, I went through probably a lot of self-doubt about, you know, is, you know, is it fair to my family? Is it fair to the people in my life for me to take this time away? Is it fair to make the financial investment? And I think, um, you know, people who are considering a program should really have confidence in themselves that this is a, a vote of confidence in who you are and you're worth it and you're worth taking the time. And, um, you know, it, it makes sense to do it as soon as you can, or as, as close to when the idea pops into your head as possible, because life is full of complexity and there are going to be things that get in your way that you can't anticipate. So when you start thinking about it, if you can move sooner, do it. Yeah, it's always interesting when we have prospective students come and visit. Uh, we're recording this uh, during an on-grounds weekend here in, in quarter six. So uh, we have executive format students in class just down the hall. Emma is going on the Europe global residency, so no weekend residencies for her in this quarter. But it's always amazing when uh, prospective students come visit and they start asking the current students for advice on timing. And invariably, people say, if you're thinking about it now, do it, you know, because Every year that passes, life gets more complex, things get more challenging, carve out the time. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I'll say is if there's something in you le your life that you think will be an obstacle to your participating, um, you know, it, it may not be, right? So I think we've had three women in the program have babies uh, just in the first year of the program. Um, and then probably countless men uh, whose uh, partners have had children during the program. We have people with four children, uh, three children under the age of eight or nine years old. And so people make it work. That's not to say that it's easy. It's hard. But you would find yourself in a community of other people who are experiencing similar challenges or experiencing similar constraints on their time. So, you know, um, what you think may be prohibitive to you participating isn't necessarily, um, and you'd have a community of support of people who understand. Yeah. I think the, the reality is life continues while people are in this program. Uh, we have had, uh, a father of at least maybe 10 or 11 come oh through the goodness. program. <laughs> 
in our class of uh, 2018, we had we had that, which is amazing. Um, so, you know, you meet all sorts of fascinating people in this kind of program. So now here you are officially on the sort of back half of the program, quarter six, you've, you're through quarter five. Uh, this is a 10, two month quarter uh, program. So you're now quarter six. Um, this can be sort of a, you know, a time where you've done a lot of work. You still have a fair amount of work to go, but how are you feeling about things in terms of, you know, how are you starting to get a sense of how the program is changing the, the work that you do, how you approach your work, um, at your job? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that's changed for me so far, and I hadn't anticipated it is, um, I've become less of a perfectionist. So I, have so much on my plate. And I think that's the case for most people working full time in school and then having families. And so the biggest thing that I've observed is Darden has helped me learn how to manage my time and to focus on what's important. Uh, so that's been incredibly helpful. I now know, uh, you know, at a very tactical level with school, here's the level of detail that I need to focus on these reading materials. Here's the level of time that I need to spend to make sure I understand quantitative things that wouldn't have traditionally been in my wheelhouse. But then from a bigger, like big picture in my life, I think I've realized to be more peaceful and calm about the fact that everything can't be done to perfection. And that's just such great training for being a CEO or a leader or general manager at a company. There are going to be so many things that put demands on your time and you have to know when to say enough um, and, and when things are as good as they can be and to kind of move on and, and find peace in that. And so that's been the biggest thing that I think I've reflected on a lot in the middle of the program. And then the other thing I'd say is I think there's kind of a time when things shake loose for people in the middle of the program where, um, you know, not to say people come in being dissatisfied, but everybody's hungry for more who joins a program like this. They, they want something more out of their lives and, you spend so much time in leadership and communication classes being reflective about who you are and what your aspirations are and what you want. And I'm observing both myself and the colleagues around me, uh, my peers thinking through like, maybe I should be doing something dramatically different. Maybe I should start a new business. And I know from previous graduating classes that for many people that becomes a reality that they make a pretty significant change. And so that's the other kind of inchoate nascent, feeling that I'm having of maybe a big changes in my future. Great vocabulary. Work, by <laughs> All the way. that GRA prep from Manhattan, <laughs> <laughs> from Manhattan prep was really helpful. It's not every uh, week that we get a uh, inchoate and nascent on the, on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> I think you win the prize for vocab award this week. So um, your point about perfectionism is a really good one. And I, I think having been around now four or five executive MBA classes and, you know, watch people sort of progress through the program, you do hear a lot about sort of relentless prioritization, you know, what is most important at this particular time and, and trying to be fully present with whatever you're doing at that particular time, whether it's work or family or school, um, but that you can't do all things all the time at a really high level. I mean, particularly when you're juggling, you know, really challenging stuff, you know, work is, is demanding, school is demanding, life is demanding. So, you know, you, you have to do what's important at that time and focus on doing that really well, but it may mean you, you're not able to devote as much time or energy to something else. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You have to also carve time in your day to refresh and renew yourself. 
And I think, um, not to say that perfectionism is relegated to women, but I think it's more common among women that there's this sense of needing to hold yourself to a very high standard in everything from your work to school, to your family, to your aesthetics. And, um, I read this great book this year called, uh, be brave, not perfect. And it was by the founder of girls who code, I believe was the author of it. And she talks about how, uh, women are, you know, really trained to focus on doing everything perfectly. And you start, I started school out like that. It was like, I'm going to read every single word of every single thing and take a million notes and get a perfect grade. And, uh, you know, I think the program kind of shakes you loose to be, you know, again, brave enough to figure out where you can float on certain things and not do it absolutely perfectly or do work through other people. Uh, and I think that's an especially important lesson for women because, you know, there's research that shows women might not make it to the executive level because they get burnt out on, you know, the level of perfection they expect from themselves across so many different spheres of their lives. And so I think the thing that's helpful about going to Darden is you kind of get the boot camp in. It's literally impossible to do everything perfectly. There's always going to be a ball drop somewhere and you need to get used to that. Yeah. So, so many lessons. So, um, this is an exciting time for you in the program. In addition to being in quarter six, you are now president of the network of executive women. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what attracted you to this role? So I think one of the big things that attracted me to this position is that I just, I've been in, you know, many different senior business roles uh, at a few companies in the DC area. And I'm struck by how often lonely I am in terms of having other women close by or at my elbows. And I think Darden is a wonderful place to grow and cultivate um, more executive women. And I think one of the things that I really wanted to accomplish uh, as president of new is to bring in executive women from the area, bring in executive women speakers who can help inspire and create community among the group of women that we have here. So I think what attracted to me the role to the role was just, you know, getting, uh, you know, greater community for, for women in the program and then for women in business in general. No, we, that's fantastic. I think one of the things that, um, is great about our executive MBA program is that we do have student organizations now, um, which will be really, really interesting to see what's possible when we have both sections here um, with the class of 2021. Uh, both sections of our executive MBA program will be based here in Roslyn. And I think we've talked a lot at the program level about what that might mean from an extracurricular activity standpoint, right? If you're new and you want to do uh, a speaker just think about all the people you could potentially get to a speaker event um, yeah. and that kind of structure. Yeah. I think that's what's so exciting right now. I'm working on um, getting a, a senior person from my company to come in and join and speak to our program. And it's so much more exciting when you're thinking about 130 people potentially being available, available and having like the whole crew here as opposed to having half of us. So it's super exciting and it offers a greater opportunity to connect and really create community among the whole program. So I think it's fantastic. It'll be so much fun and a little chaos to have a big group here. Um, so you're just getting up and running with, with your, your new position with the network of executive women. 
Um, and you have a, have a group of people, though, that are also involved in the leadership of that organization. Um, what are some of the things that y'all have been talking about? Or when you think about, you know, making this a great place for women, you know, what are some of the things in addition to sort of examples of, of women in senior leadership? What are some of the things that you're talking about uh, culturally? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the big themes that's come out in our preliminary discussions is that many of the women in the program have caring responsibilities, and those may be caring responsibilities for elders in their family. Often it's caring responsibilities for children. And one of the things that we've been talking about is how can we create more opportunities for women to connect about the challenges associated with juggling school and work amid the program. So um, you know, how do we design events? Uh, you know, we we're just talking about events. How do we design them for times and parts of the day that make them convenient for women? How do we think about connecting women to childcare or enabling them to share with each other about, you know, different opportunities to make it easier to balance having family and school and work all at once? And so, Again, it's kind of, we're early in those conversations, but I think a big thing is, you know, there is such a community of women with family and with big responsibilities outside of Darden for, for those families and thinking about how we can enable them to share best practices and insights and ideas with each other to make the program a little bit easier. Yeah. The, the idea that you do get this network in this program, right? So we're talking here very specifically about a student organization network. Um, But I I do think, you know, one of the questions for students as they think about executive MBA programs is, you know, how well will I know my classmates? What kind of connections will I have? Is this just a place where I'm going to get an MBA and then sort of move on? Um, All the things you're talking about, certainly in in my experience, you know, I, I know that this would be the case, you know, suggest to me that here, this is a place where you can get to know people really well and you're joining a community, not just coming to get more education. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am in touch with members of my class every single day. I think we have like three or four text threads going on with different subgroups of the class that we're talking about. Here's what I accomplished at work today. Here's what's hard. I'm having trouble managing an employee. I'm having trouble deciding whether to take this promotion. So we talk about work all the time, um, but we also talk about, hey, here's what's going on. I have a family members who who's ill, or I have um, this challenge going on with childcare. And I think, you know, you might assume that only being here nights and weekends would mean that you kind of see people and then you go back to your daily lives. And while it is hard for us to get it together in person when we're not here, we do it, but it's it's hard. We're in constant communication and always talking and the bonds are really, really deep that um, that I've formed and that I think others have formed. And I think we've all in the program been touched by the level of care um, and, you know, kindness that we're shown by each other. So one example is, you know, I'd been going through a period of time at work that was kind of hard on me and I had... Uh, one of my classmates sent me a journal um, that I could write in and kind of get my thoughts out. And just that act of kindness and friendship and community was so meaningful to me. It really helped me at a period of time when I was having a difficult time. And those, there are just countless examples of things like that, of people stepping in, seeing each other and being there for each other. So um, when we're recording this, note that it is, uh, I guess, mid-June or so, late late June. Gosh, I'm running late June. Uh here in uh, in uh, Washington D.C., uh, sitting in Roslyn, and so uh, I'm I'm curious. Um, you were not so long ago a student just starting here. Um, 
what advice would you have to our incoming sort of 2021 class, you know, as they are thinking about starting the program they're 40 or so days away? Um, what would you, what would you share with them? What would you want, want them to know? So one of my little hacks that I did was when I got all of the first leadership residency materials were made available, you know, you get a huge amount of intelligence just from that on what you're going to need to know and what you need to be smart on. And you have all of your videos to get you prepped in areas of the program that might not be your, from your traditional background. And one of the things I did was as I was going through those materials, I identified the one or two things that were not um, my strong suit. So finance was not something I'd ever taken before. And I tried to complement the videos and the readings that I had from Darden with kind of my own research. And so Khan Academy is a great resource for learning some of these basics of economics, basic of finance. You have so many online resources available at your fingertips. So if you just start early and, you know, expose yourself to those things, you're going to find that you're much further ahead than you would have been otherwise. Um, I know it's kind of hard to envision fitting that into the time in, in addition to doing all of the direct prep work that you have. But it's time well spent. And if you start early and do a little bit by little bit, you'll find yourself really well prepared. Yeah, everybody comes with strengths and things that they want to you know, learn more about. You know, I think that's our experience with prospective students and to, to matriculants. And they're always going to be, I mean, we always try to remind people, well, if you don't know much about finance, that's probably why you're here. If you don't know a lot about accounting, that's great because you're going to have an accounting course as required curriculum. Uh, and you get that sort of broad exposure in that first week, right? You're reading these sort of big enterprise cases. You're getting exposure to a lot of different faculty members in that week. Uh, the students will, uh, you know, have an opportunity to get to know each other, which is great. You know, nothing like spending a week with a group of people down in Charlottesville and sort of having that immersive experience. Oh, it's so much fun. Going to LR1 is a lot of fun. It's really intense, but you spend so much time with people. It's like being back in college. It's fun. You want to make sure that amid all of the craziness, you still have time for those people or you have a, a special way of making sure that there's kind of a sacred way to engage with them is really important. So for my husband and me, that that was taking walks together in the evenings after work. And no matter how busy I am, you're never going to run out of busyness. So like taking that step out and, and with the people who are important in your life, preparing them that you're going to be really busy and then setting traditions or intentions for how you're going to engage with each other across the next two years is really key. Yeah, there is um, that communication piece is when we ask students for it, advice, you know, we say, what do you want incoming students to know? Or what would you share with prospective students? Communication is invariably part of the recommendation. Uh, you, I don't think you can communicate enough just to make sure that people, you know, or too much, I should say, uh, just to make sure that people at work and at home understand what you're doing, why you're doing, what you're learning, how much you appreciate everything that they're doing for you that makes it possible for you to participate in the program. And um, on the admitted student blog, we did have some uh, recent, a couple of recent pieces. And one of the students um, noted that make time in your schedule every week for these other folks, just to, as you know, sort of walk or have dinner or just to make sure that they continue to feel like a priority yeah. in your life because you'll have so many things competing for your 100%. time. 100%. And if you show that gratitude, I think for the most part, people in your life are happy to have the occasion to be your cheerleader. 
because you've been cheerleader for them at different points and they're happy to have the opportunity to support you. I think that really appeals to the best in people. Again, whether it be at work or in your personal life to um, express your gratitude and and show them, um, you know, I'm doing something to benefit myself. And I know that that implies sacrifices, not only for me, but for you. And I appreciate everything that you're doing to support me. It really helps to do that. So uh, one last question. So you're getting ready to go on this global residency uh, to, to Europe, uh, Paris, and Berlin. Have you been to either place before? I've been to both. I've been to Paris as a child, so I'm very excited to go back. And I've been to Berlin when I was in um, a, a role with the government a couple times. So I've been both places before, but I'm still very, very excited. And But not with your darn classmates. Never with my darn classmates, so it'll be a whole new world. Um, have they told you anything about what you'll be doing while you're there or you'll find that out when you get to location? Oh, we have all the information, detailed plans about what we're going to be doing. We're visiting Christian Louboutin in France. We're going to be going to Axel Springer, which is, um, they have like a, an accelerator in Berlin. So that's going to be so much fun. So it'll be a mix of, you know, class in the morning, um, and, and putting our heads to the grindstone in the mornings and then going out and seeing, um, companies and seeing people in their element in those two different areas. So I'm really excited. And our focus will be on ethics and finance. Well, we're there. So some really interesting opportunities for discussions around ethics and business as it relates to the German economy and the French economy, which I think is going to be super exciting. Yeah, I would imagine so, particularly with everything that's happening in Europe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we do before we go on these residencies is you kind of prepare um, people in the class, prepare these cultural books, you know, to get each other. We all contribute and it helps us get familiar with the country. And so my section is on culture, family and diversity. And so, you know, kind of understanding the current business environment and some of the issues going on in Europe and the conversations being had there has been super interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, do you think you get a free pair of shoes as part of I the Christian so. I Is heard it? there was some comment that he used to give away free shoes, but not anymore. So <laughs> I guess maybe something happened. Maybe people got too greedy or oh, fought man. over it. But this, The class last year went on that, and it's pretty amazing. We've done a lot of different visits over in Europe through the years. Uh, it's one of the... Our gimbal format went there for in its previous version, uh, went there, and then on Euro Disney, Vove Clicquot, you know, lots mm, of... Lots Vove Clicquot would be fun. Four Seasons at one at one point. So a lot of luxury brand uh, stuff in Paris, always historically. It's one of the great luxury brand markets of the world. Yeah. Um, so it's a natural platform for that. So can't wait to hear about your trip. Yeah, I'm excited to go. I can't wait. Well, Emma, thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday to come on, come on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Safe travels to Europe. Have a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brett. I was happy to be here. And that was my conversation with Emma Kanukin, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the Exec MBA podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.